Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series in the book of 1 John with this message entitled, Claims Examined, preached December the 10th, 2000. I want to speak to you from 1 John, first epistle of St. John, beginning with verse 5 through the end of the chapter, verse 10. Claims examined. Claims examined in the light of God. People do make wild claims. Recently, you know, somebody from Tennessee made the claim that he invented the internet. They examined this claim. It was not true. And there are so-called ministers who, who claim that if you send them money, they will pray for you. And you will have health and healing. You will have wealth. But if you contribute to them regularly in larger amounts, you may not need any medical insurance. You may not even need any investments. The minister will be your pontiff, your bridge to God. And the naive and the gullible of this country and around the world believe these things. Wild claims. When people claim to be Christians, the scripture provides for the testing of their claims to see whether they are true or false. St. John in this epistle already pointed out that as a result of the incarnation, as a result of the eternal becoming historical, as a result of the eternal word of life, taking upon himself human nature as a direct result of his virgin birth, life, death, and resurrection. As a direct result of that, sinful men can now have fellowship with the Father and the Son. And such people can have fellowship with one another. And such people can have fullness of joy. This is the authoritative apostolic message. They falsely claimed fellowship with God. Even today people falsely claim to be Christians because they are born in a Christian country. As though there is such a thing as a Christian country. They're born in a Christian home, baptized in the church, and has been a member in good standing for many years. But does that make a person Christian? Such claims. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are 
in the faith. Test yourselves, he says. St. Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. St. James tells us in James chapter 2, Faith without works is dead. He tells us that it is only the faith of demons who believe and tremble yet remains demons. So St. John the Apostle in this epistle gives us to test claims of people. Christian claims. There are six of them in this epistle. First is found in chapter 1 and verse 6. We claim to have fellowship with God. Second in chapter 1 verse 8. They claimed we have no sin. Third is in chapter 1 verse 10. We never sinned in our whole life. Fourth is in chapter 2 and verse 4. We know God. The fifth claim is in chapter 2 verse 9. We are in the light. And the sixth claim is found in chapter 4 and verse 20. We love God. Today we will examine the three claims in chapter 1. But how can we examine these claims? Well, we are not left in the dark. God gives us a standard by which to judge these claims. It is the standard of truth. So, in chapter 1, verse 5, we read... This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, Ho Theos Phos Este, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. This is the message, the unchanging message which we have heard from him. The most important statement, that God is light. In him there is absolutely no darkness at all. Notice, John here starts not with man and his needs and his desires and his feelings and his frustrations and his problems. That's the way human beings do. They are anthropocentric, man-centered. Here he starts with objective, ultimate reality of God. The Bible starts that way, in the beginning, God. John's Gospel starts that way, in the beginning was the Word. The Lord taught us to pray. But first, our Father... Who art in heaven. Start with God. He must always start with God. 
We must always accept the reality, the objective reality of God and his infallible revelation. This is the message we have heard from the incarnate Son. It is not, in other words, something we invented, something we made up as philosophers make up their philosophies. This is revelation originated in the divine Son of God, who himself is the radiance of God's glory. So, Apostle says, by his authority, we declare to you what we heard. We must declare with absolute conviction and authority. We start with God. We start with his character as light. Which means God is glorious. God is absolute purity, holiness. And God is infallible, absolute truth. Truth that shines and reveals. And God has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. To see the Son is to see the Father. But people since the 19th century, around 1860, they abandoned this conception of the character of God as light, as holiness, as purity. They abandoned that and started speaking about God is love. But that is also found in this epistle. But first... God is light. Oh yes, the Bible says God is spirit. God is immaterial, in other words. God is light. And then God is love. So when we speak about love, we should understand it in the light of his holiness. Therefore, it is holy love. We are also told God is a consuming fire. And I think we all have succumbed to this definition at the expense of the other definition that God is holiness. We have succumbed to this definition that God is love. Don't ever make that mistake. If God is love, there is no need for incarnation, for the death of Jesus Christ. So, God is light. In other words, he is characterized by absolute holiness. What explains the incarnation of Jesus Christ? What explains the conception, the birth, the life, the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ? It is this essential nature of God, his holiness. God is not light and darkness. That's pantheism. There is no evil in God at all. 
That's why when we come and we murmur and, and we complain before God, we are attributing to God darkness that somehow he sinned. Somehow he has become unfaithful. Shut our mouth when we come before God. Think who God is. Be governed by this definition. God is light. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. Psalm 104 and verse 2. The Bible says in his light we see light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Now the question is, if God is holiness, how can sinful man have fellowship with him? Habakkuk the prophet said, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. The Bible thunders, be holy for I am holy. Jesus said, be therefore perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. This holiness of God explains why the eternal Son became man. He became man to take away our sin. He came to make us holy, to make us like God, that we may have fellowship with God. Fellowship. Calls for something in common. It calls for correspondence of character. Either God must change and become evil like evil men to have fellowship with Him, or we must change and be holy like God. The Bible says God cannot change. And so, in order for man to have fellowship with God, man must change. Man must become holy. But, the truth is, we cannot change. How can a sinner be a saint? It is an utter impossibility. So, God must change us. And he has done this in Jesus Christ, who became our propitiation, the sacrifice of atonement. He is the light of the world, and he has made us also the light of the world. So we read in Ephesians 5, For you were once darkness, evil in other words, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Here, this statement, God is light, therefore must be interpreted in the ethical sense. Turn with me to John's Gospel and chapter 3. And beginning with verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men loved darkness instead of light. Because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. And will not come into the light. 
for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So God is light. He is revelation. He is truth. He disclosed himself in Jesus Christ. So his message is the truth. So we must look to God in Jesus Christ. That is, we must look to his word. We must look into the Holy Scripture to test all claims people make. About everything and particularly about their relationship with God. God is not a light among many lights. He alone is the light. Therefore in his light alone we see the light. As light he is holy and without holiness no one can see God. So we want to examine the claims in the light of this truth, which is the standard for testing. Hotheos fos estin. God is light. So the first claim that we must examine is presented to us in chapter 1 and verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with God... So the claim is that people are saying that they are continually having fellowship with God. But what is the reality? The reality is stated in the same verse. Yet walk in darkness. Profession is one thing. Practice is something else. Claim is one thing, conduct is something else. So claim is, they are in the light, they have fellowship with God. But the truth is, they continually walk in the sphere of evil. Turn to chapter 2 and verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must walk. As Jesus did walk. You see then. If you claim. Fellowship with God. Then you must live. And conduct yourself. As Jesus lived. Chapter 2 verse 11. But whoever hates his brother. Is in the darkness. And walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going. Because the darkness has blinded him. They claimed to have fellowship with God and yet hated God's people. In 2 John chapter 2 and verse 4, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. They walked in the truth, some of them. 2 John chapter 2 verse 6. And this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. You see claim that you have fellowship with God. 
must be proven and authenticated, verified, validated by walking in accordance with the command of Jesus Christ. Or third, John verse 3 and 4, walk in truth. A Bible-centered life. Walk according to truth. Walk in the light. Truth is the ultimate reality of God. As revealed in Jesus Christ. Therefore in his infallible message. So what is the reality? They lie. St. John is not saying they misspoke and all the monkey business today. Politicians they lie left and right. But they never use the word lie. They would say, I, I characterized that way. I, that was, I misspoke there. We have an aversion to truth. We are all in the fog. And people love it. We hate the light. We like the fog. But he says, they lie. They are lying to God and they are lying to others. They are liars. They are not authentic Christians. Why is it? Look at it. They do not do the truth. You see, we think that hearing the truth and giving it mental assent is good enough. No, no, no. The Bible says we must do the truth. They lie. They do not do the truth. In other words... The apostle is exposing them. They are liars. Their profession is false. Their testimony is false. Their claim is false. Inauthentic. He is saying such people are not in the kingdom of his dear son. Which is the kingdom of light. He is saying they are still in the kingdom of darkness. Under the influence of Satan. Their eyes are blinded. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen to what St. Paul is saying. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God. And verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But these people were walking in darkness. They were continually, their lifestyle was evil. It is not that they sinned once in a while. That's not what the Greek text tells us. They lived in darkness. They had an evil lifestyle. As God's people, we are to live Koram Deo. Always in the presence of God, which was the motto of John Calvin. St. Paul tells us a Christian is created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has foreordained that we should do them. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. 
Jesus Christ said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So a profession devoid of practice of truth is false profession according to the test of truth. The claim of fellowship with God is validated by walking in the light. For God is light and walking in the light is living in the sphere of light. It is living according to the truth. It is obedience to God's commands. It is Bible-centered life. Otherwise, it is a false claim. Otherwise, it is demon's faith. True faith always works. Faith without the works of obedience is dead faith. It is the devil's faith. The real gospel calls us to obedience. And so he gives counsel to these people. And look at the counsel. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. You must walk in the light. And if so, we have fellowship with one another. Fellowship with God requires correspondence of character. And if there is authentic relationship with God, that relationship, that fellowship with God is proven by fellowship with God's church. There are a lot of people, they don't have a doctrine of ecclesiology. They float around. They simply want I and Jesus. That is absolutely unbiblical. If you are a Christian, you must belong to God's church as it manifests itself in a geographic location. And you must belong to it. You must be accountable to it. You must come under its government. You must serve it. You must enjoy fellowship with the people of God. It is not optional to float for the rest of our lives. He says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Church membership is not an option, but a divine requirement. Life in the body of Christ is the sign that one has come to have fellowship with God who is light. That's why the first commandment is to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength. And the second is like unto it. That you love your neighbor as yourself. In Acts chapter 2 says they devoted themselves in the apostles doctrine. That's light. That's the Bible truth. And also in fellowship with the people of God. Not only that such a person will receive cleansing. Such a person will enjoy the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Who applies to him the benefits of the blood of Jesus Christ his son. He experiences progressive sanctification. He experiences ongoing cleansing from the defilement. Of every sin. Turn with me to Ephesians 5 and verse 25 on. Husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy. 
cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Walk in the light as he is in the light. You have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, the incarnate son of God, his blood, cleanses us from all sin. And this facilitates fellowship with the father and the son. What's the second claim? And that is found in chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. If he claimed to be without sin. Well that was the claim. We have no sin. Now either. We have so progressed. In our Christian life. We have have arrived. At the state called perfection. Our sin nature has been eradicated. As I was growing up, I heard the story of a, of a charismatic preacher who believed in this. He said he arrived at this perfection. And he found certain other people, especially nice women, good-looking women in the church. They also, he thought, arrived at this perfection. And they had sessions in which they stripped their clothes because... They are not affected anymore by any kind of temptation and sin. So either they are so progressed, they became perfect. Sin nature is eradicated from them. Or they are saying we do not believe that we have sin nature at all. We do not believe that we are sinners. They are saying we have come a long way, baby. Long way from primitive ideas of sin. We are educated. We are cultured people. We are of scientific mind. I am okay. You are okay. We are okay. We are all good and born good. What we need is to get rid of this notion of sin. And this doctrine of pervasive sinfulness. We are no sinners. We esteem ourselves. We do not need any redemption by the blood of Jesus. We have no guilt. We have no pollution. We don't believe in sin. We don't believe on the cross. We don't believe in hell. There was a man in the 18th and 19th century, 1768 to 1834. He lived, his name was Friedrich Schleiermacher. Brought up in a Christian home, a very pious Christian home. And he rejected the Bible, he rejected Jesus Christ. It was his view that we do not need Jesus Christ of the New Testament in order to be united to God. He said religion is primarily not a matter of doctrine, objective truth, but rather of feeling, intuition. And experience. The religious instinct is an element in man's nature independent of thought. And by this religious element in man, all men 
are already united to the spirit of the universe, which he calls God. By this religious element in man, God is united with all people. Man needs no savior outside of himself. He is already linked to God. And man doesn't need any doctrine. He doesn't need any Jesus Christ. He doesn't need any atonement. Well, that's where uh, some of the great preachers of our country are coming to. Let me read it to you. What a great preacher of this country has said. I used to believe that pagans in far countries were lost if they did not have the gospel of Christ preached to them. I no longer believe that. And then he said recently concerning the makeup of the body of Christ. And this is what he said. The body of Christ would be made up from all the Christian groups around the world. And outside the Christian groups also. I think that everybody that loves or knows Christ, whether they are conscious of it or not, they are members of the body of Christ. Then he said he is calling people out of the world for his name. Whether they come from the Muslim world or Buddhist world or the or the non-believing world, they are members of the body of Christ because they have been called by God. They may not know the name of Jesus, but they know in their hearts, this is Schleiermacher, that they need something they do not have and they turn to the only light they have and I think that they are saved and they are going to be with us in heaven. Another evangelist was interviewing him who doesn't believe in anything and he was so excited when this great evangelist said this and so he said what what I hear you saying that it is possible for Jesus Christ to come into human hearts and soul and life even if they have been born in darkness and have never had exposure to the Bible is that a correct interpretation of what you are saying? And the great evangelist said, it is. And the other evangelist who doesn't believe in anything, he was so excited. And he said this, there is a wideness in God's mercy. This is where it is. We are. Let me tell you, the apostles' analysis of this the reality is, we deceive ourselves, he says. We lie to ourselves. Before they lie to God and to the neighbor, now in this second claim, St. John says, you lie to yourselves. This is demon activity. It is the devil who lies. And he says, truth is not in us. We have no gospel in us. We have no word in us. We have nothing to do with truth, which is the ultimate reality of God who is light revealed in Jesus Christ and therefore in his message. We lack true doctrine, he says. We are in darkness. We are under the power of the evil one. We are blind. We have nothing to do with Jesus who is the truth. And then counsel is given. First, 
come out of delusion. Repent, believe in the truth, confess. If you confess your sins, confession means you agree with God's revealed truth and see yourselves in the light of that infallible truth. We agree that we are born sinners and we practice sin. We are wicked. We are unholy. We cannot have fellowship with God unless God does something about it. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13. I hope you will pay attention to this. He who conceals his sins. This is what modern man is doing. Cultured man. Philosopher man. Psychologist man. Scientific man. Educated man. He who conceals his sins, Proverbs 28 and verse 13, does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And you read David confessing in Psalm 32. You study the confession of the prodigal son who came home and said, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm unworthy to be called your son. As a counsel, and then he says, well, you can rest on the nature of God. He is faithful. Faithful, he always acts consistent with his being. And he is faithful, and he is, therefore he is faithful to his promise in the Holy Scriptures, which says that he will forgive your sins. And, and then he says his just means his forgiveness is based on justice. Based on God's pouring out his wrath upon his son. Based on the truth that God punished our sin in him. And the result is you will receive forgiveness. Receive releasing from legal obligation. And you will also receive cleansing from defilement of sin. And all this will facilitate fellowship with the God who is light. And now the third claim examined. That is in verse 10. And which is uk hematekamen. If we claim that we have never sinned. That's another wild claim. It is in the perfect tense which means we have never sinned in our whole life. Even up to this present moment. These people probably believed in the proto-gnostic idea that body is only a wrapper for the soul and the soul is inviolable what we do with the body does not in any way affect the free inviolable soul and people like it today they justify their evil in this way I have never ever sinned the body does what the body wants My soul is pure as freshly falling snow. Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow you will die, and the soul shall be liberated from this prison house. All right, now the light gives the reality. It says this. It's not that you are lying to others and to God. It's not that you are lying to yourselves. This is the height of crime. You are making God a liar. This is the blatant attitude of the unregenerate infidel. 
God is light. God has revealed that man is a sinner. And he lives in sin. And he daily practices sin. God's word declares. Listen to the prayer of Solomon. There is no man who does not sin. Listen to Isaiah. We all like sheep have gone astray. Listen to Isaiah. Again all of us have become like one who is unclean. And our righteous acts are like filthy rags. There is none righteous, not even one. There is no one who does good, not even one. If God said that, all have sinned, and man says, I have not sinned, that man is saying that God is a liar. He is not light. He is darkness. He is saying that God is like the devil. That man is saying that he is God because he alone is without sin such a person is a blasphemer he is a pervert and therefore Saint John doesn't give him any counsel at all he leaves him hanging he is a pervert he has committed the unpardonable sin he is beyond salvation by God who is light and truth the word is not in him he loves darkness he will not come to the light he contradicts God he contradicts his word his revelation he would not repent, believe, confess, and be saved. So John does not give him any counsel. We who are saved by the light of the gospel should pay attention. God does not save the righteous. He never saves one righteous. The righteous repudiates the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Who are saved by the light of the gospel? Not the righteous so called. The qualification for the salvation by the Son sent by God who is light is confession. That I am a sinner. That God is light. That I need salvation. So I trust in the only Savior whom you have sent. The agreement with his judgment. Jesus saves only sinners who confess their sins, who repent and believe in the efficacy of the blood of Jesus, his son. The Pharisees of this world shall never be saved by Jesus Christ. The publicans of this world shall be saved by Jesus Christ. Because he said, have mercy upon me, who are martyrs, the sinner. Have mercy upon me by which he meant. Save me by the blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat. The thief on the cross was saved too. He was a sinner. Remember the thief had a conversation with the other thief. And this is what he said. Don't you fear God. Then he said, confesses. We are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve. He has an understanding of divine judgment. But this man has done nothing wrong. Here it is. I am a sinner. Jesus is sinless. Then why is he dying? There must be some reason. And he says, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Save me. And listen to the response. I tell you the truth today. You will be with me in paradise. God saves only sinners. 
So all must stop lying to God and lying to his neighbor. All must stop lying to self that is deceiving themselves. All must stop making God the liar. God is light. There is absolutely no darkness in him. It is in us there is darkness and evil. So one must confess our sins. For God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all sin and from all unrighteousness. That's the gospel. So brothers and sisters, if we claim to be Christians, if we claim to have fellowship with God, it is time that we examine our lives and see whether we live in the light. Walk as Jesus walked. See whether we are doers of the truth. Whether we keep his commandments and live in vital fellowship with God's church. And he will make you a saint. He will make you a children of light so that you can have fellowship with light. And with his people. What joy. That your joy may be full. Heavenly Father we pray that you help us to examine our lives in the light of your word. That we may come to have true fellowship with the Father and the Son. And true fellowship with the people of God. That our joy may be full. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.